This is Rob Tubbett for Boxing Social in association with Betfred. Delighted to be joined again by the haymaker David Hay. We're here in Vauxhall celebrating your 10-year anniversary of yeah. becoming heavyweight champion. Congratulations, David. Thank you very much. Yeah, here at the Park Plaza Hotel. Been here for the last 10 years since I trained here for the, the, the fight against um, Nikolai Valuev. And 10 years ago, it uh, goes quick. It really does. But, you yeah, know, fond memories of that night in Nuremberg, you know, lifting that WBA heavyweight title, you know, something I'd said I'd do from day dot. And um, I remember walking to the ring thinking, this is it, this is the one, this is what I've been talking to, this is what I've been telling everyone I was going to do from, from the start and don't mess up. <laughs> and it worked out okay. Talk to me about winning the world heavyweight title. You just mentioned the fact that it was always your dream growing up through the amateurs. How did it compare to becoming, say, unified cruiserweight champion, which is obviously a tremendous achievement? Yeah, it was, it was different. You know, the cruiserweight in some ways, unifying was, was tougher in a, in a certain way. Technically, it was tougher. But the heavyweight title was just, it was the big one. It was, you know, maybe it's the difference between winning it, but being an Olympic gold medalist and then being the heavyweight champion of the world, the two boxing titles but one means significantly more financially it means more legacy wise um, and uh, it was just something that I knew I you know it was just a it was it, the heavyweight title meant it meant something different it was just the that was for sort of more legacy you know in terms of my internal struggles with the styles of different boxers the cruiserweight angle was always tougher you know fighting guys who were really fast who were the same size as me and were tough and tougher than me you know Mormek was tough physically tougher than me he could take a better shot than me you know it was more compact his defense was probably better but I had to find a way to beat him use my skills so you know it was ideal having the fight against um, Jacob Fragameni and before that because that gave me a little taster of what it's like fighting some come forward tough fighter and I won by the skin of my teeth you know I got cut badly out of my eye so I could only fight with one eye in that fight and I had to figure out the body shots were the key. So I learned the lesson. The way I got rid of um, Fragameni, I couldn't do it with headshots. I had to break his body down. And during that fight, I kept hitting him and hitting him and hitting him. He just wouldn't go anywhere. And I think in round nine, I went to the body, done with a left hook to the body. And he showed me the first time in the fight a sign of being hurt. And then I put the pressure on. So when it came to the Mormek fight, I learned from the lessons I learned from the, the Fragameni fight, I implemented in the the Mormek fight, so I exclusively worked his body, made sure that, I know you've got a great chin, I've seen that in the past, but I got to soften you up with the body shots and it worked a treat, you know, the left hook to the body you know, was a real key for that and the right hook kept you know, digging him down, any opportunity I could get downstairs, kept touching that body. So then when, when, when the time came in that round, after I got knocked down in the, in the, in the fourth round, I got back up and rallied, rallied on to round seven. And around round seven to round 12 is when I was gonna pick the pace up and as soon as I started picking it up, he folded. So it worked out, it worked out exactly as I anticipated. So I knew having a game plan, working with a strict instructions of, you know, to the point where I, I, I had a certain amount of punches that I could only throw in the first six rounds. So I was working, I was trying to win the rounds or do as much damage with as few punches to try to conserve my energy. And then from round seven to round 12 is when we then step up the volume and then go down the, the home straight as in the past, his opponents have emptied the tank at him in the early rounds and he tucked up and soaked up and they run out of energy. Then he, then he beat him in the later rounds. So I, I wanted to topsy-turvy on him. So it worked the truth. It's nice when you have a plan and it, and it comes to fruition.
Tell us me about that plan. Obviously, Nikolai Valiev was a giant of a man. He still hold the record for for the most size and weight given away in, in that type of fight. But you made your, you made your name, particularly as a cruiserweight, as a as a power puncher, as a knockout yeah. artist. Was yeah. it difficult for you in preparation for that fight to kind of rein it in and really box to instructions and not kind of go back to your old tendencies? Um, I knew I had to. All it would take against someone so big is a, a moment of distraction, trying to low, low land a knockout punch and walking onto one that could change the whole outcome of the fight. All it took is one big shot from someone who weighs 320 pounds or whatever he weighs, and that's my legs are gone. Once my legs are gone, I can't dance around the ring. I've got to, I'm, a sitting, I'm, a, I'm a sitting target. So um, he'll then win the fight. So I had to somehow find a way to win the rounds by putting myself in as little danger of getting wobbled as possible or getting hurt. And um, to do that, I had, to, I had a lot of good sparring partners Know, putting the pressure on me, walking me down, and I had to get comfortable walking into range, you know, tying him up if I, when I need to, but trying to keep as much distance between me and him. More raiding tactics, stay out of range, stay calm, look like I'm in control, go in, land a bam, 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 land some shots, roll out, and then walk, walk away calm and let him look like he's the one, you know, struggling and, and, and um, to try to really get capture the, the, the minds of the judges that I was in control, sort of bull matador type of thing. The judges ever come into your mind? Obviously, you're a way yeah, fighter in yeah, Germany. Yeah, 100%. The, the judges, that, that, that was the, one of my biggest worries was if I couldn't knock him out. I thought I could knock him out going into it, to be honest. Until in the second round, I landed a, my knockout punch. I landed the perfect haymaker and it bounced off him and just broke my knuckle. So I was like, yeah, okay, we can win this on points. So I then had to use my right hand quite sparingly as I broke, broke my knuckle and that was pretty pretty painful every time I landed. So when I did land it, I had to be solid and worthwhile. I don't want to be hitting his elbows and arms, making it worse. Um, so it was, it was definitely a, it was a, it was a game plan that, you know, was, uh, it was tough to implement uh, as you don't know what the judges are scoring. You believe you know, you believe if the judge is being fair, he will score it a certain way. So I had to try to make each point that I scored clear and had to make it appear as though he had as little success as possible and I couldn't be getting caught with like a jab all it takes is one jab from someone that big and that knocks me back off balance and then okay the judge go oh you won that round because you hit that one shot but there was very few clean punches that he hit me with that sort of buckled my legs or knocked me off balance and that was the plan to try to keep it as clean as possible make sure my shots were hard and crisp and then I used to get and then for me to get out of range and slow the pace down and walk around like I was in control it's all an, all an illusion to the judges They're trying to manipulate the judges' mind, but it's all a, it's all a game. And you know, I, I, one of the judges had it even. Two judges think have me winning by four rounds, um, but I don't know what that that one even judge was got. But you know, it, it, even on even that judge is obviously very biased going value his way, and he could only make it a draw. So someone who clearly wanted value of the win could only make it a draw. So in my eyes, I you know every strangely every other. Um, worldwide territory who scored the fight had me winning significantly, except Sky. Sky, <laughs> Sky, were the only, Sky were the only people who had the had me down on points. It's strange. So when it won, everybody was uh, over the moon. David Hay, better cruiserweight or heavyweight, and why? Uh, I think I was really better cruiserweight. I was better cruiserweight because I'm a cruiserweight. That's why it's simple. Um, heavyweight. Um, I think on my day there, I could beat most heavyweights on my day when I was fighting the fight. When I fought, the, the night I fought Nikolai Valuev, I was so physically 
good. You know, even the night I fought, the fight before that against Monty Barrett, the fight prior to that one, you know, even the night, you know, and you know, the Ruiz fight, and you know, I wasn't at my best there, but it was an entertaining fight. I believe on my, on my day, there's, there, there are a few fighters out there that could, that could beat me for a career. I said earlier on, I think, realistically, you know, looking back, you know, all the heavyweights, you know, past and present, I would have had a I would have had a game plan to train for and believe if I did this and did this I could I could win the fight whether it be on points or by stoppage I could find a way. But the only fighter out there that um, I've always looked at and just thought I don't know what I would have done is Lennox Lewis. You know, he's just he just seemed like a bigger, stronger version of you know just better all round, tougher. He could take some stick. He could do, and he and he was fought in a tough era. Fighting Holyfield and Tyson and Andrew Galotta, you know, Riddick Bowe, you know, he beat in the Olympic final. You know, he's, he's he fought every single man in his era. You know, Shannon Briggs from Razor Ruddock, you know, Tommy Morrison. You know, he's he's beat. He's just done everyone. You know, even domestically, Gary Mason and. Frank Bruno, he's, he's done it. He beat every single person in his era. And the only two people that beat him, he got revenge and stopped them both. So he's the only, for me, he's like, you know, going into a fight with him, I'd, I'd, I'd have fought him, but I'd have known deep down in my heart, in my heart of hearts, I'm like, yeah, it's not going to go that well for you, this one. But, you know, everyone else, I'd have, I'd, have had, I'd, have, I'd have believed I'd had a shot. I could have come out with some strategy or tried to do something. Or, but I think he's the only person I thought, I don't know. I don't know what I'd have done. I'd have, took, I'd, I'd have fought him, but it'd have been, it wouldn't have been nice in my face, I'll tell you that. It wouldn't have been good for my health. <laughs> it wouldn't have been good for my health at all. Oh, yeah, he's too good. We're talking about strategy. Obviously, the value of fight is a big example of that. Um, how much credit... I mean, you and Adam Booth were kind of... Not to say, not to came as not as a pair, but you were no, you we, were we, yeah, we some started, something yeah. like that. How the same way um, I know Frampton or Taylor were there from from the so McGuigan trained him from the start. You know, you get those, you get you get a coach when a coach trains a fighter from their first pro fight. It really means something significant when they win something significant because they've been there from the start. Particularly if they haven't done anything prior to that. So yeah, it's like a you know you're to your solid team and to get to get from nowhere to the pinnacle of it you know it's a, it's a success not only for the boxer but for the coach and for the manager and for the strength and conditioning coach for the whole team around it really genuinely means something so people see you know a fighter and his coach it really it really means something how much of an influence was adam in your career and how much credit does he deserve for for you not only becoming cruiserweight champion but also heavyweight champion yeah massive massive part of it you know i think i always said you as i said just then the coach who trains a fighter from the start and goes there to the, so they succeeded in whatever goal it was, deserves so much credit. Because remember, you don't really, so, there's so many nights and so many days and so many sessions that you get no credit for, that you get no acknowledgement for. It's only when you do it that you get it. And there have been coaches over the years who've trained fighters who've just, just fall short. So the fighter didn't become world champion and they get no accolade whatsoever. And this, although they put the time and energy and effort in, but that particular fighter just wasn't good enough to do it. So does it, you know, but if you do have that fighter who has the ability and you do, you're the coach who has the strategy and you know how to connect perfectly with that fighter, you know, it's, you know that's why so many fighters train with, with Adam Booth. And since that point, Adam's had other champions 
as other champion, world champions since. There's no, there's no coincidence. And he will have more world champions moving forward. So I think it's, it's, definitely, a, it's definitely an achievement that, uh, you know, it's an, it's an equal thing. You know, I, I've achieved my thing as a boxer to the highest level. He's done it as a coach to the highest level. And I think that you reap the rewards moving forward in your life. You know, he'll, he'll then train. Other fighters will see what he's done for me and see what he's done for his other fighters. And he'll then build his brand and his, his, uh, his stable of fighters. And they can truly look at him and think, yeah, you're the guy because you train this guy, this guy, this guy. And uh, moving forward. And it's a good thing as a, as a coach as well. You can do it until you're, until you're 60, 70. You can still be, be a coach, you know, a strategist. Now, I remember speaking to Angelo Dundee. Um, I think 2011 in Miami, one of the greatest ever coaches trained Ali and Leonard, and just talking to him, he just said so much knowledge, so many, so much experience, and so much know know how in boxing. He just got it so so well, but you don't you're not born with that. That's something that accumulates over years and years and years. And um, you, know, I, you know, he he got the, the recognition he deserved. You no, know, he's like a living. He was a living legend. Unfortunately, he's passed away now. But I was so glad to spend spend as much time as I did with him because it was just talking to the stories of Ali from the, the good old days. And it's you know, it's nice to it's nice to have just sort of felt a bit of that greatness. Felt a bit of that greatness. <clears throat> and you never know what coaches uh, that are around today will be looked at as the way Andrew Dundee is is today, you know, in 50 years' time. So, um, yeah, coach, coaches, all coaches, particularly if they've coached someone to, from the start to a world title, need to get their the credit with, you know, with the fans because it's, it's a tough, long slog of a journey. Uh, un, un, an unforgiving, most of the time, unthankful job. Okay, well, David Hay, always a pleasure to sit down with you. Congratulations, 10 years. It only seems like yesterday, I'm sure it does for you as well. Yeah, it doesn't feel like, it. It doesn't feel like 10 years at all. It's gone very, very fast. But you know, a, lot of, a lot of head blows in that time, so that might have something to do with the memory loss. Yeah. Well, you're still holding up okay from what I can see. Shame to not see you in Las Vegas last week, but I'm glad to have sat down with you today. The Haymaker. Why, why, why aren't you in LA? Are you off, off to LA for the no, big... I've, got, I've got a couple of people that say, I'm a bit too old for it, I think. Come on, man, you've got to get involved. You've got, to get, you've got the Billy Joes doing his thing on there as well. You've got to get out there. Maybe next time. I'll be out for the third fight. Okay. okay. <laughs> David Hay, thanks very much for speaking to Boxing Social. Anytime. Billy Joe Saunders, uh, that's actually the first time you've just met your opponent. He's just over your shoulder now. You just sized him up. What do you know about him? Listen, he's come over here. He's coming over here to have a go. He's come over here to better his life, better his family. So, you know, I've got to respect that and I've got to respect him as opponent. You know, he's a real, real hearty fellow to come over. He's unbeaten, so I need to respect that full aspect and, uh, you know, get in there and do the job. Yeah, what is the ideal scenario that you win with a good performance, look good doing it, and then move on to bigger, better things? I think that's the ideal scenario, but we all know in boxing, nothing's ever guaranteed. So I need to make sure that I'm Mentally, physically, everything's focused. I'm on it. But that is the goal. I want Canelo Alvarez. That's the number one fight for you. If you could pick, because there's so many players in this division at the moment, that's your pick, Canelo. Canelo's never been a 168 world champion. You know, they say he has. He's not. WBA regular champion. That's not the full world title. He's never been full world champion. When he beat Rocky Fielding. So let's go. I'll give him a chance. Let's go. You give me a chance and I'll give you a chance of being a four-weight world champion. 
did you make of his performance at the weekend and up at light heavyweight? He won't stay there, in your opinion? Look, he's not going to stay there, is he? But, you know, I think he picked the right opponent at the right time, you know, and put the right weight clause on him. They're very good, very clever, their team. So, um, but look, I'm ready to go. I just want to get this out the way and then focus on him. What's it like making your American debut here on the undercard of, uh, of KSI and Logan Paul? There's going to be so many new eyes on your fight. They're talking about worldwide audiences of 20 million people watching this fight and they're going to be watching your fight. So do you want people to come away and say, yeah, I watched that fight, but actually the, that I was impressed with Billy Joe Saunders? I need them to say that. I don't want them. That's what I need because um, I need to put myself in the big lights. And now I'm here, I need to, I need to work on it. What about... Uh, moving forwards you've got Canelo you've got Callum Smith is also a name that's been banded around you're under the same uh, promotional banner now with Matchroom and Eddie Hearn he's a world champion at 168 pounds super middleweight same as you it'd be a massive domestic grudge match it'd be a massive fight for Britain if Canelo Alvarez does not want it I may Callum Smith's the next in line for me he's the one I want because people say oh he's a big man yeah he's a big man but you know brains over brawl and I've got the I've got the skill set and mindset to beat anyone in the world, <clears throat> and it's a unification. So I want to fight him. What about moving back and training under Dominic Ingle? You, I don't know if you'd say it, but a lot of people say your career best performance was against uh, David Lemieux under uh, Dominic. You went away to Ben Davidson, but you've come back to, to Dominic Ingle. Yeah, listen, it's about you know me and Ben's very good mates, and you know Ben knows me inside out. I've always worked with Ben, so it's not a new change for me. I've worked with Ben since 2012. So it's just that Ben, um, I, you know, Sheffield, I wanted to break away and uh, Tyson's a very good friend of mine. I went with him then, up doing camp there. You know, I had a fight, won the world title. Uh, ben went and, you know, sorted a few things up with Tyson. So I went and done my own thing and here we are today, like I say. So I'm very happy where I'm at and, uh, you know, I'm looking to show, put that on display, show my uh, skill set Saturday night. Just finally then, your prediction against our Marcelo Caceres. I'm just hoping that uh, everything goes well on the win. You know, I never ever put predictions, but um, you know, he's a tough Argentinian. They come over, he's unbeaten. He don't always, he do not know what it's like to lose. So I have to beat loss into him. And uh, you know, coming from that sort of background, it's very hard to do, but definitely a win. Wish you all the best. Thanks for talking to us. Thank you very much. What's up, man? Oscar Bevis for IFL TV in association with MTK Global. I'm delighted to be joined today by Mr. David Hay on the 10-year anniversary yes. of your unbelievable win in Germany over Nikai Valuev. First things first, David, how are you and does it feel like 10 years? I'm, I'm really well, thanks. All's good. Um, 10 years, it doesn't feel like 10 years at all. You know, when I look in the mirror, I don't feel 10 years older. You don't look 10 years older. I like you. I'm always <laughs> going to give you an interview. And I feel, I, I feel, I feel the same. I feel exactly the same. But I'm fully aware that I'm not the same. Although I might appear to be the same, I can't quite do what I once could do in terms of my reflexes and time. It's not quite there. I might look in the mirror and might have a similar, similar body, but the body isn't doesn't move as it, as it used to move. Um, but I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm content in the fact that I have. I've pushed, I've pushed it as far as I could push it, and I've got, I squeezed as much out this, this body as I could, before it all uh, came crumbling down. <laughs> um, I look at someone like Roy Jones Jr. and his move to heavyweight, and he fought John Ruiz, who you did end up fighting. Yeah. Um, but your first fight 
for a heavyweight title was against Nikolai Valuev. Mm. Now one thing no, I remember- my, it, wasn't, it wasn't my first fight. I had two fights. I fought a guy, right before I fought um, Jean-Marc Mormack, I fought a guy called Thomas Bonin, who was 30, think five and one or something. I had a really good record and I knocked him out in one round. Then I had the Mormack, then I had the Mormack fight. Then I had uh, Macronelli. And then, and then after I relinquished the cruiserweight titles, I fought um, Monty Two Guns Barrett. And that was a that was a good fight. That was my first. O2. That was my first. Oh, yeah, at the O2 Arena. Yeah. And um, that was a few knockdowns. So your first heavyweight world title fight was. That was my Nick first heavyweight title fight. It wasn't my Nick first heavyweight world yeah. fight. Yeah, that was my first title fight. But so think, your first world title fight, you jumped him with. The biggest, the, big, the yeah. biggest, the biggest ever heavyweight champion. So does that history. sort of cement your legacy even more? The fact that um, when you made the jump, I think, I think you it, really did make. I think the jump. it. I think it is significant because of the size difference. You know, no one's ever fought someone that big and won before. Um, and it it was it just showed the world that you know anything's possible and you know it was really accentuated the the press it was such a big mega event you know when people people didn't really know who he was up until that point but when they saw him it was like damn I remember seeing I went to watch Nikolai Valuev fight when he first turned professional in um, I went with Frank Maloney now Kelly Maloney um, many years ago when he fought I think in East London somewhere. And I remember seeing him and I walked past him. I couldn't, I must've been, I must've been like 14 or something. I was, I was a kid and I saw him. I think, how the hell would you beat someone that big? I never knew fast forward 15 years or whatever it was, I'd be fighting this same guy for the heavyweight title. And um, it was just, it was, I remember thinking though, when I was a little kid, I think Rocky, Rocky four was like one of my favorite films. And uh, particularly when I was a kid, and you know when when Rocky went over to Russia to fight Ivan Drago, and he did all the training, and you know, he wanted he had the bigger heart, and he wanted it, and he went out there and done it. I remember thinking, yeah, one day I'm going to be like Rocky. I'm going to be the heavyweight champ of the world. And um, I then strangely had my chance against the biggest ever Russian, or biggest ever boxer in history. But he happened to be Russian as well. I'll have to go to foreign soil to do it. And um, yeah, it worked, worked out okay. So it's like, I kind of it's weird. I kind of it feels like I. You say you kind of manifest whatever reality you want into the world, into the world, and I, I definitely thought about it enough over the years how I was going to do it, how I was going to win the titles, and you know who I was going to be, and I sort of said it so much that it became a reality in some weird way. So um, yeah, it's, it's been a, been, it's been fun, it's been a fun up and down last ten years um, since then, but you know it's, everything, everything works out how it's supposed to work out, and. Here I am, ten years on, you know, managing um, someone else, Mr. hopefully, Chisora, to Mr. Chisora, yeah. someone else who I believe has a, a good, a good chance now of you know only challenging for a while time, but winning one. You now he's he's living the life, he's doing all the things that you know maybe he wasn't doing um, many years ago. There's a reason why he's lost nine fights. It's not because he's not good, it's because he just didn't quite take it as seriously as he should have taken it. You know, I, I'd, I'd, I. W would have had a lot harder night, significantly harder night, if I was to have fought the 2019 slash 2020 version of Derek Tazora than the 2012 version, believe me. Although he was a lot younger then, he's a more of a beast now. He's got so much more in the tank. He's firing on so many more cylinders and he's a lot more of a weapon today than he's ever been. So I'm, I'm, I'm happy I fought him when I did. <laughs> I'll come on to Derek in a second. I just want to ask you a couple more questions about um, Value Ever Course. One thing, we were talking earlier, some of the guys, about well, what we remember from the Value Ever fight. I mean, I was yeah. only a kid. One thing I do remember How was, was you? How his, was you at the time? 
what, so to, I would have been 11. He was 11, damn. So one thing I remember was his handprint on the back page of the newspaper. Yeah. <laughs> I remember that one. <laughs> And I remember thinking, there's no way there's any man on this planet that can stop Nikolai Valiev. Yeah. Um, but also, so sort of tell us about your memories from that night, aside from the fight and sort of the whole time in Germany. And also, a question I wanted to ask you was, do you feel like perhaps people in boxing give you the credit you deserve? Mm. But some people, because obviously boxing fans can be short-sighted, perhaps don't simply because of uh, the way things ended with mm. Tony Belli. No, I think people, the real boxing fans understand that, you know, Roy Jones was one of the greatest ever boxers to ever do it. You can't judge Roy Jones on his losses to Enzo Macronelli yeah. and uh, Danny Green and you know Tony Otava. You can't really, that's, that wasn't Roy Jones. The same way you can't judge uh, Ali on his fights against Trevor Burbick. You yeah. know, you think that, although technically it was that Trevor Burbick beat Ali, when all said and done, there's one fighter that will remembered and there's one fighter not as much. So um, the people who, who know, know. Maybe there are fans who only tuned into me, only, only younger fans younger who fans, got into yeah. boxing only when I, they might have, my fight against Tony Belly may have been the first and only fight I'd ever seen him in. Like, this guy's crap, he just got knocked out. Maybe, and then they, you know, but you know, the people who know, the people who understand um, boxing and understand the history of boxing, understand what I've done, how I've done it, you know, going over to to France to fight Jean-Marc Mormick, you know, he wasn't a big name even then. Even the hardcore fans, you know, didn't really know him. But the people who people who did recognise that as a as a massive massive achievement. You know, unifying the belts. You know, not many British fighters going back the last 20 years have been able to unify all those belts. You know, there's a handful. There's a handful of us out there. So. Um, as long as the people who matter know, I'm happy. You know, you can't. I'm not here to. I'm not here trying to convince everybody that you know I'm this, I'm that. You either you either, you either saw it or you didn't. One of the two. So um, I'm just I'm just glad that you know the right the right people know the right people know the, the people who understand real understand boxing they know. So I'm I'm happy about that. Okay, now Mr. Chisora. Sparring Anthony Joshua when he was only fighting yeah. what a week and a half ago, yeah, two weeks ago. That's just a new Derek Joshua. Derek Chisora is is fit and ready all year round now. He's good to go, and the fact that you know you know Derek you know, AJ is in the sort of final sparring um, phase of his career or is, of, of this of this camp, you know, in the biggest fight of his career, you know, the rematch against Andrew Ruiz Jr., a fight where many people, you know, uh, are watching this fight very very closely because he can't have anything other than a victory uh, in this fight you know nothing else no draw no split decision loss he needs to win this fight plain and simple to move forward of his career and um, the, the word from from the camp is you know he's looking fantastic he's looking great he's looking healthy he's looking light live quick fast all the things that you'd hope to hear I'm hearing so I've, I've, it's given me a nice added confidence you know with Derek with, um, Derek going to spar with him Derek knows firsthand that you know he's, he's he's been preparing, he's in shape, and um, Andrews Jr. shouldn't be able to get into range and start trading blows with him too soon, because Andy Joshua is you know going to use that superior height and reach and amateur pedigree you know with the the long range boxing skills need to come into play here. He doesn't want to be mixing it with someone who can only win by mixing it. You know you got to do is watch the fight against. Um, Joseph Parker, the way Joseph Parker beat Andrews Jr. 
you the jab on the fight. The jab, left hook, right hand. You tied him up in close, pushed him back. Kept it simple. It was a close fight. Similar to how Joshua had to beat Parker. Uh, exactly, exactly, exactly. You know, I think he gave. He he went to the ring against Joseph Parker. He gave Parker full respect, and he knew that Parker was an undefeated fighter yeah. who was strong, big, and could dig. I don't think he went to the ring against Andreas Junior with the same mindset, the same hunger, the same desire. I think he went there thinking last minute sub. The guy looks like he's you know dragged him out of pub. So I'm not I'm not gonna you know I'll just knock this guy out. And when it didn't start, when he started unraveling, it was just he just wasn't able to get it back together. Bad night at the office. Let's hope he rectifies all of that and sticks behind his jab and uh, does what he was supposed to do in the first fight. And if he does, he'll have to either uh, vacate the WBO or IBF belt. Yeah. We were just talking earlier when he's eating. A b and you think that he will choose Pulev yeah. as the IBF mandatory, yeah. which leaves the WBO. Um, and if it all falls into place, long story short, Chisora Usyk yeah. could be a war. That that would be that'd be that'd be a fantastic fight. You know, you've got the undisputed you know, cruiserweight champion having his first real fight at heavyweight against a real heavyweight. Derek Chisora is on the up. Who's He's firing all cylinders and he's looking back and he's having a look in his whole career. So if there's ever a time for Derek Chisora to get this crack out of someone as skillful as um, Alexander Yusuf, it's, it's, it's February. It's right now. It's let's get cracking. If Derek could live this life that you're saying he's living now since he turned professional, mm. do you think that maybe by now he'd have retired because he'd have been doing it for so long and the fact that he started doing it later on in his career has given him that longevity to perhaps go to 30, yeah, 37, I th I 38? Yeah, I think if he would have lived the, the, lived the life that he's currently living from day dot, he'd have been world champion a long time ago. Yeah. A hell of a long time ago. But you don't, you don't know what you don't know. And, you know, he... You know, he's fortunate that he's in the position where he's 35 and he's still got plenty of miles on the clock to go. He's still, you know, he's, he, his body's looking better. He's fitter than he's ever been before. Cardiovascularly, he's doing things he's never done. He's significantly fitter, faster, stronger today than he was a year ago when he fought um, Dylan White. Significantly fitter, significantly stronger, faster. He's technically is more together. He's not making... He's making so few mistakes compared to then. He's not getting caught with the jab. He's doing all of the things that you know you would hope he would do as he improves. And it's a it's an exciting time for Derek Chisora. It really is. You know, he's 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 at the cusp of doing something unthinkable. Can you imagine Derek Chisora becoming the WBO heavyweight champion of the world? Can you imagine? I, you know? I can. I can see it. Uh, yeah, not many people can. I can. But if it isn't, can you imagine if he just sticks? There's it a clear route. On. There's a clear route. Clear so, route. Yeah. You can see it. People can see it. There's a finishing line. I think he can see that finishing line. And you know, if he goes out there and just puts it on Alexander Usyk from the first bell to round twelve, can Usyk go go into that deep water? Can he mix it with the big boys? He's mixed it with guys who weigh fourteen stone four, who weigh you know, ninety kilos. How about somebody weighs 115 kilos? It's a big difference. It's a massive, massive difference. You know, so can he do it? I don't know. It's never been seen before. He hasn't. He hasn't fought anyone of that that particular style. He fight. He's used to fighting big amateurs who are big, big, strong, upright amateurs. How about someone who's low center of gravity, just bigger and stronger, wants to get inside, rough him up inside? Well, it's going to be interesting. But you no, know, I know Derek. I know Derek can do it. Okay, David, we're being rushed, so I'm going to leave it there. One sentence or one thing. Canelo at cruiserweight, yes or no? I'd like, I'd like to see Canelo. Yeah, I thought I, he's proved his point to me that he's one of the 
the greatest. Leave it there. No, I think no he heavier. He doesn't need to. For me, he doesn't need to prove anything. Go back down to his natural weight, middleweight, super middleweight. That's the way. Find it. I appreciate that he went up into the light heavyweight, but the only reason a light heavyweight would beat him is just because the light heavyweight was coming down. Oh, sorry, a cruiserweight. It's just because the cruiserweight is just so much bigger, and I'd hate for him to lose to someone just because they're bigger. Mm. He's too skilled. Yeah. It'd be unfair. And he's given away enough advantage against someone who was so much strong. You saw him against, you saw Cobble against Yard. He's, he wasn't finished. He had a lot in the tank. You know, he took his licks and came back. And, you know, to take someone out with such accuracy and such calm and patientness is, oh, it was, it, was a, it was a thing of beauty. It was one of the best performances I've seen from anybody for many, many years. I don't know why everyone was saying it was a close fight. I didn't have it close. I had Cobble ever winning maybe three rounds tops but you know I, I maybe I I, say I might be a little bit biased because I really like his style I just thought he was just a class above from, I think he controlled the whole thing and it went exactly as he planned it to go he was it looked like Kovlev was panicking Kovlev was trying to keep him away was holding him was pushing him and, and uh, Canelo was just pressing him it was a slow controlled educated pressure that he knew he was going to just Take, take him out at some stage and it went exactly as he wanted and it was just it was a punch perfect performance from a small guy fighting someone significantly physically superior to him David hey thank you very much for speaking to IFL TV Go and Canelo. congratulations <laughs> on your 10 year anniversary oh, thank, you, very thank much. you Danny Flexen here for Seconds Out with esteemed boxing journalist Jeff Powell. Jeff, we're here today at the Park Plaza. We've had a media, very pleasant media lunch with David Hay, talking about the 10-year anniversary of his win over Nikolai Valuev for the WBA heavyweight title. Where do you place that achievement into context with other British uh, fighters who've won big fights abroad? Well, first of all, the size does part of that for you because we're talking about a seven-foot giant. Uh, who he had to take on as, as a guy coming up uh, from cruiserweight. So the, the size differential makes it a, a huge achievement. Even just physically, it was an astonishing effort by him. It, it was, um, he, he boxed very cleverly. Um, he was never in serious trouble against him. The fact that he managed to, uh, to achieve that against such a big man with obviously such a heavy puncher uh, was pretty extraordinary. Um, in terms of epic fights um, it doesn't it doesn't sit with um, with one or two of the things that, that, that people have done like I mean Josh Taylor the other night um, was a tremendous effort um, against a great fighter um, but you know that that was a a, a, a contest of, of some equals um, David managed to turn a fight he was expected by many people to lose into a a one-sided fight in which he just had to make sure he wasn't knocked out. So it was a significant achievement. The fact that the two biggest wins of David Hayes' career came on away soil, first against Jean-Marc Mormec, then at heavyweight against uh, Valuev, does that add something extra to his legacy? I think it always does. Um, you know, uh, if you fight away, it's, uh, and everybody should uh, fight abroad. There's no question about that, in that it's important 
uh, to your legacy, even even losing to Klitschko, he, had, he went and fought away in Germany. Um, and that takes courage, that takes nerve, that takes belief. And um, I think if you only ever win at home, you're not a completely filled out fighter. What do you make of the current kind of odd couple pairing between David Hay now managing Derek Chisora, erratic heavyweight? Well, it's, uh, it's interesting because David, of course, was, was thoroughly dedicated, super fit, wonderful specimen of an athlete. And, and Derek has, has been, uh, you know, a maverick wandering around, big punch, able to, able to knock people out, but perhaps never in the greatest condition. And the fact that Chisora has gone to David and said, you know, what do I need to do to get perhaps something better out of the last phase of my career is fascinating. Uh, it, it appears that he's buckled down to living the life of the boxer. Um, for that, David never likes to take credit, but obviously he's, he's managed to persuade him that if he's going to have something other than a secure uh, living for his family and whoever his next dog may be, lucky animal. Um, Rest in peace, Winston, we should say. Very sorry for Derek's loss. Yes, we should. He, was, he loved the dog. It was great having, having him around, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, you know, the, the fact that he's now thinking in terms of what, what do I have some kind of place in history, is that possible for a 90-feet fighter? Davis convinced him it's possible. Davis convinced him to sort of get out of the restaurants and into the gym. Um, so it's, it's, perhaps you need the complete opposite um, to make you see the error of your ways and to see the possibility of something greater than you've been doing. There was evidence of that in the fight with David Price and uh, it would be interesting now if he does go on to, to get him a, a, world, a world heavyweight title fight, perhaps for the, for the WBO, perhaps against Usyk, then it will be interesting to see if that, that journey can be fully completed. But he's got more chance of uh, putting his name up in lights now than he had when he was undefeated, which is unusual for anybody. <laughs>
Um, Scott Quigg's right in the fence right now. He's just not sure if he's going to fight or not. We're, we're very close, but um, we might end up in next year, and it looks like that Pacquiao might go in March. I was going to comment, obviously, uh, Manny Pacquiao. Uh, any kind of indication on who he could be facing next year in March, Freddie? Uh, they've been talking about, uh, you know, the Mike Garcia, Danny Garcia, um, Errol Spence, until you get in that car accident, of course. But um, um, uh, anyone they pick, I'll get them ready for, and uh, that's my job, and I'd love to do that. Is uh, Amir Khan an option on there as well, Freddie? Um, I'm sure he is. I'm sure Amir Khan is an option on there. I know he wants with the fight. They they boxed a lot together. They sparred and so forth. And it was very competitive and very good. And it's, um, it's actually a good fight. Absolutely. We'll wait for news on that. Um, we saw last weekend uh, Canelo uh, defeat Kovalev. Um, after a competitive fight, yeah, stopped him in the in the eleventh round. What, what did you make of that, Freddie? Um, I had Canelo going into the fight. I mean, I thought it was a good thing for him to go up, move up in weight class because guys who cut weight too much, it just it just destroys them. You know, they're in a bad mood. They're angry at everybody. I mean, when Pacquiao first came to me, he's struggling to make weight and so forth, and I made a deal with him. I said, I'm going to put you at a weight class that you can have breakfast before the weigh-in. And then I did the same with Miguel Cotto, and they both had very successful careers after they moved up in weight class. And uh, again, cutting weights, like, I think, one of the stupidest things in the world. I just, I just don't believe in it. And I think you're a much better fighter fighting at your natural weight. And um, so, so, and so far, it's worked very well. But we've seen this more and more over the last sort of few years where in order to make certain fights, fighters are jumping up kind of, you know, two weight categories and it's just in order to make that fight. Yeah, and it's it's good for the game and the thing is, I mean, the, they're better people when, they, when, when they're not starving themselves. You know, like, I mean, I, I, I was one of the people that used to cut weight also and, like, my father wouldn't even come near me during fight week because he knew I was in a bad mood and the only reason I was in a bad mood because I haven't eaten in four days you know and I just cutting weight and uh, it's just the most overrated idea in the world and I think I think people will be much healthier much better at their natu natural weight absolutely um, just want to kind of switch to heavyweight boxing at the moment we saw uh, Tyson Fury the other day enter the WWE in uh, Saudi Arabia uh, a new kind of uh, branch for Tyson Fury, but it's not at all surprising that someone like Tyson Fury could enter the WWE, Freddie. No, it's not surprising at all. He has you know, a little downtime. He had a cut, so he had let that cut, cut heel and so forth. And then the, you know, the WWE, uh, he's he can act better than all those guys. I think you know he's a he's a showman. He's a he's a He's, and he's a great person on top of that. I, I, I had a great time with him right here, training him for his, uh, yeah, two fights ago, and uh, having him in the gym every day, is, it's a lot of fun. He's a, he's a very nice, very nice person. Absolutely. There is a, obviously a huge fight that's happening, keeping on the Saudi Arabia theme uh, on the 7th of December, where Anthony Joshua will rematch Andy Ruiz. Um, kind of just going back to June now, which seems a long time ago, but it wasn't. Um, did that 
win kind of for Ruiz shock you, Freddie? Not really, because you know, I trained him as an amateur and uh, I trained him for like five years and he was a very good amateur. And he put combinations together, maybe better than any big guy I've ever seen. And, um, you know, he was always a little bit chubby, a little bit fat, you know, and uh, people used to make fun of him and stuff like that. But the thing is, they couldn't compete with him, though. I took him to the Mexican Olympic trials. He came in second, and he almost made the Olympic team. And he was just a very, very good fighter. And uh, it wasn't a big shock, no, because I thought that Tyson, you know, who are talking about? Joshua. I thought Joshua put too much muscle on. He was having trouble going in the late, the late rounds with all that muscle. And I'm really, really happy to see that he's lost a lot of that, that bulk. Because okay? I think he's a much better fighter without, without the muscle. You know, because like, he just slows him down. It's hard to carry all that extra weight for 12 rounds. And uh, so I do, uh, I, I like him better in this fight than I did the first time, yes. But, uh, it's, uh, you know, because now he's going to go back to his style like when he was in the Olympics and he's in a box and uses jab and be much more mobile than he was in the, 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 the first fight. So um, I'm not picking him to win because I, you know, I know both guys very well and I, I, I wish them both the very best, of course, and the best man will, will win. What do you think about the condition that we've seen pitchers and Obviously, training footage of Andy Ruiz, the, kind of the, it looks like he has slimmed down for this fight. He slimmed down quite a bit for this fight, and they've tried that before. I remember when I used to train him here, and then they took him to Las Vegas to put him with a dietitian because they wanted him to be skinnier and more appealing to the public. And I says, yeah, but the thing is, he doesn't fight that well when he's skinny. I like him. I like the chubby one. I like, I do. I mean, I honestly, he fights better. He's used to it. He's, he won the world title doing it. And now you want to change something, something all of a sudden? And he's been through it before, and it's something that didn't work. And he knows that for a fact. He's already been through that. And so I, when I saw him, how skinny he was, I was, I was, I was a little shocked. And that's maybe why I favor the other guy a little bit more than, than, than the first time. It's interesting because obviously the old cliche of if it's not broke, don't fix it. Yeah. yeah so, but what possible reason could he have then for kind of? Because he does look like not a dr dramatic amount of weight, but you can visibly see that he's lost weight. So, what would be the idea behind it going into that when obviously the first time round it was successful for him? I think the people in his camp want him to be more appealing to to the public, and I, I say screw the public. I mean. Fight, fight where you're comfortable at. Fight where you, what, what you're used to, you know. And um, he's always been a, a chubby, fat kid. <laughs> and uh, he's, um, but he's always been a good, real good kid and a good fighter. And uh, um, I, I think it was a mistake for him to lose weight. And in terms of Anthony Joshua, Freddie, you know, on the night, what does he need to do different from? that night in New York in order to make sure that he wins this fight? I think he just needs to use his jab and, and use that great, he's got a very good jab and he's got a long, long reach and just keep on the end of the jab and don't try to knock him out early and just, uh, just uh, I'll point him and uh, 
take, take, have an idea of take, taking them out and open up in the later rounds. Because I feel with, with all the muscle gone and so forth, he'll be, he'll be, he will be able to do that. There is, uh, obviously before that, uh, another heavyweight fight, which kind of has a lot of implications on guys like Tyson Fury and also Anthony Joshua and Ruiz, is Deontay Wilder will rematch uh, Luis Ortiz on the 23rd of this month. Do you expect the same outcome? Um, yes. Um, the Cuban fighter, I mean, he's, he's a very tough guy, he's very, uh, but I, you know, I wonder about how old he really is. I mean, because, um, I mean, it's just the way it is in Cuba. I, he, he's just happy to be, to be in America, you know, and the thing is, life is so much easier and, and better for him in this country than it was at home. And uh, you know, he's de definitely a talented guy, and so, so and he can punch. But I think that uh, Wilder's just too big a puncher at the end of the day, the better puncher. But I mean, we're all expecting kind of Wilder to come through that fight with Ortiz, but the Ruiz win over Joshua kind of has just reminded us that it is heavyweight boxing and you can't really bank on anything. Yes, this is true. I mean, one, one, one punch in the heavyweight division can, can change a lot of things. <laughs> You know, and the heavyweights are un unpredictable, but I'm really, really happy to see that the heavyweights are making noise again. I mean, because for a little while there after Tyson and those guys, it was kind of boring and nothing was really going on. But right now, it's uh, the pot's turning right now, and then you know, will 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 Tyson Fury come to come out the best, the maybe the best fighter in the world? I think maybe yes, but um, we'll we'll see. Just finally, obviously, there's strong suggestion that this Friday there'll be a fight announced between Danny Jacobs and Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. Um, yeah, we spoke to Eddie Hearn yesterday and he said that that's possible to happen in Phoenix in, in December. So, yeah, that fight is looked to, look to be announced, Freddie. He'd been training here for the fight and um, it's, a, it's, it's a very good fight for, for, for him and uh, one that he, he needs to win. And... Um, he, he knows where he can get in the best shape, and that's here. So he's been here training for that fight. And uh, he came in in shape. He looked, he looked good, looked slim. And um, I expect good things out of him. Freddie, thank you very much for your time today. And uh, appreciate you having us down at your gym. So uh, hopefully we'll catch up with you again real soon. Cool. Thanks a lot. I appreciate it. fans, it's Michelle Joy Phelps, and I'm joined now with none other than Devin Haney. Devin, it's great to actually meet you in person. I can't believe that we've never done an interview together. Never? Oh, no. That's, that's crazy. I didn't know that. I yeah. thought we did, but... How are you? How are you? You know, it's media week for you. I know there's a lot going on. You just came out of a photo shoot. How do you sort of maintain this sort of calm, even though you're in the midst of a storm? Um, I, I think it just, you know, I know that it comes with the territory, you know, um, this is everything that you know I thought it would be, and uh, I'm 100% ready. Mm -hmm. Now we know that now you are officially the WBC lightweight champion. There's no questions about it. You don't have to fight another person to get to that point. What is your thoughts on this whole franchise belt, and what do you think that that does for boxing? 
Uh, the franchise belt is, is, is a very confusing title. It's actually a title. It's not even a belt. Um, you know, it's confusing because they're, they're saying that Loma can fight and be undisputed, but someone else couldn't win the title. So right. how can they be undisputed if it's a whole nother champion, which is me? And it just it just really makes mm -hmm. it's, it's 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 really confusing. I, I wouldn't say it makes no sense because I don't have you know that much knowledge on it, but you know it's, it's it's confusing. To be fair, I don't think many people do. I think that we're all sort of figuring out exactly what that means and and what it means ultimately for the, the for the big fights that we want to see you up against someone like Vasily Lomachenko. Definitely, definitely. Um, I don't know, you know. Um, the franchise belt, you know, uh, me personally, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want the franchise belt. I would, if I had a mandatory, I would, I would fight my mandatory, or, you know, um, or vacate, and, and, and that's what I feel. But, you know, to each his own. Mm -hmm. Now, obviously, we don't want to overlook your your next opponent's your first title defense, but there are a lot of people that we can't help but sort of mention your name in the mix with. That one being Ryan Garcia, the other one Gervonta Davis, and obviously Vasily Minchenko. Um, who would you say out of the three is is probably on the top of your hit? list um well at the top of my hit list you know it's, it's a lot of great fighters in in the 135 pound division it's a lot of big fights i think the biggest fight would be me and ryan garcia mm -hmm. um i think after that i would go with um i say it's 50 50 50 50 between loma loma and tank mm -hmm. but like i said it's a lot of big fights out there um you know i would like to fight Vasil lomachenko because i feel like you know the, the people think that he's that they that he's at the top of the 135 pound division. Some mm -hmm. people say he's pound for pound. So if I beat him, then you know I'll be at the top. Right, exactly. Now Ryan Garcia just had a first round knockout against Duno. What were your thoughts on his performance? Uh, he 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 did a great performance. You know, um, he went in there, he got the job done. I knew I knew exactly what he was gonna do. Um, I sparred with Duno. You know, like about two weeks before that. So I knew Ryan would uh, take him out. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I didn't think maybe that early, but you know, he went in there and he got the job done and uh, I'm happy for him. There's talks of him potentially facing Jorge Linares. Do you think that that would be biting off something, you know, biting off more than he can shoot too soon? No, I don't think so. I think, you know, um, Jorge Linares is, you know, on, on, on the down end of, of his career. You know, uh, he's, he's had a long career and a great career. Um, but it's a new era of boxing. I think the, the, new, the newer guys, the younger guys, are you know uh, taking over the sport, and I think Ryan could be him. Now, you and Gervonta Davis have had some uh, words exchanged on social media. It's actually building towards the fight one day between the two of you, so good job on that. <laughs> um, but ultimately, what do you think of him facing um, Gamboa next, and when do you anticipate that we can see that fight against you and Tank? I think Gamboa is... is you know, on the tail end of his career as well. I don't think that he's that much of a credible, credible opponent. Uh, I think Tank should beat him, you know, fairly easy. You know, I think I think he'll stop him in, the, in probably the first three rounds. Gamboa, you know, uh, he's a smaller guy, and I just think that Tank Tank would be uh, way too much for him. Where did this beef between you and Tank even start? I mean, it's really no beef. It's just it's just boxing, you know. Um, People get that confused. Uh, you know, we're 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 just trying to build a fight, and we're and we're trying to fight the best best in the weight class. He may take it personal. You know, he gets in his feelings a lot, but at the end of the day, it's just boxing. Mm -hmm. So, what can we expect this weekend against Santiago? Uh, uh, um, a great performance. You know, I want to go in there and showcase. You know, my full arsenal. Mm -hmm. If he if he can if he can stand through it. You know, if he can stand up. You know, through 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 the storm. Then you know it it, it will be great. It'll be for. I'll be able to, you know, show the boxing fans, you know, uh, the
the skills that I have. If he can't, then he'll then I'll get him out of there. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you so much for your time. It's great meeting you finally. Um, any final words? You know, thank you to all my fans. You know, keep supporting me. Tune in Saturday, November 9th. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Bye, Fight Fans. Hey, Fight Fans. It's Michelle Joy Phelps. If you haven't already subscribed to our YouTube channel, make sure you go ahead and do so by clicking this icon right here, or else.